0: If you think that was a strange reading for um, uh, for Membership Sunday, I agree. Let's pray that God will speak to us <laughs> through that passage. Lord, we give you thanks for the church. We thank you for the price that you paid to gather your people all around the world and make us one in you and and to give us and breathe um, in us your life. And we pray that as we remember what it means to be part of the church, part part of this church, that your spirit will speak to us, will enliven us, help us to catch your vision for your people and help us to be the people that you desire us to be. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it wasn't that long ago, uh, I met with a person who just finished with uh, Christianity Explored. And uh, just to see how he was doing. I don't know how, but I got into this conversation about what would happen at the resurrection. What it means for Jesus to come back. And I talked about how the sea will split open and spit out the dead and the earth will split open and those whose flesh had long disintegrated will come together and be enfleshed again to meet the King Jesus who's returning to judge the world. I talked about the new creation and how this earth will be recreated yet again and how all those who were chosen, all those who had turned to Jesus will live again and how this world will be completely saved, redeemed, and renewed, and sin and death will not be there anymore, and we will live in harmony with God and with the rest of the creation and with each other. This was about, I don't know, 10.30 or something in the morning, and um, this guy looked at me like I was slightly nuts. And of course, if you put yourself in his shoes in this context, it does sound crazy. To say, actually, this earth will be recreated again. It sounds nuts. Most people want to just come. They they come because they want to be better people. Because they want some improvements in their life. We don't expect the whole world to change. But that's the promise of Jesus. Christians believe in the resurrection because Jesus rose again from the dead as the first fruit as the sign of the things to come. We believe in the new world to come and the earth renewed and filled with God's glory because the Old and the New Testament prophesy it. Because it also just makes sense that this world is, we are at home in this world, but it's not quite. That there's something wrong with this world. It's not as it's meant to be. That God will recreate this whole thing in due time and people made perfect like him. We believe this because Jesus rose again from the dead. And he says he will come back. Now, there are skeptics. There have always been skeptics. Um, and that was true of Jesus' days as well. Often people assume that ancient people believed anything. Um, but that's just not true. That the claim that the dead will rise again have all, has always been difficult to believe. And that was true of Jesus' days. In fact, that was the big debate. Around the time of Jesus, the two parties were divided. There were the Sadducees and there were the Pharisees. As you know, Pharisees were the religious kind. They believed in the Old Testament and much more. They invented the traditions. They wanted to live their life religiously. And now, they weren't wrong in many ways, but at least they were trying to take God seriously. On the other side were the Sadducees. The Sadducees only took the first five books of the Bible as the authoritative word of God, and so they didn't believe in a lot of, the, a, a lot of the, uh, these things, including the resurrection of the dead. They believed that once you were dead, you were dead. There was no soul. There was no reward or punishment after, after, after life. There was no resurrection. In many ways, um, they were not interested in the future and they were in, in, in invested, um, uh, they had vested interest in the present. So they wanted to be close to the Roman uh, government, and they were. They sought power in, within the government, they sought to change, influence the, the, the government for the secular um, interests. They wanted to move up in the world since this world is all they had. And it is the Sadducees that we meet in Matthew 22 in this story. They bring this great debate over to Jesus. They have Deuteronomy 25, 5-6 to six in mind, which says that if the eldest brother dies without a child, then the widow must marry, um, marry the younger brother so that their child, um, could, their child could carry on the, the, the brother's name. The purpose of this law was to ensure that no tribe of Israel is lost. Right, So if the older, if you have 12, 12 children, that one of them does not, want, that, 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 that line does not die out, that it continues. In some ways, it's obvious that Sadducees focused on this law because they believed that immortality was not had by the resurrection. But immortality was had by the legacy that they leave. By the children that they leave. I mean it's not all that different from Korean and, and, and Chinese culture, is it? I mean, the boys were favoured because they were the ones who carried on the family name. That's how people lived on. That's how the family lived on. So they presented uh, Jesus with this implausible scenario one brother dies without having children. So the younger brother takes on the uh, the wife, but then he dies and so on until the seventh brother. And they asked in verse 28, now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? They're feeling a little bit smug at this point because they think there's no good answer to this question. At the resurrection, whose wife will this one person be since she had been married to seven people? What they really want is for Jesus to say, there is no resurrection. But Jesus' answer is direct. He basically speaks of two different ages, this age and that age, this kingdom and God's kingdom to come. The kingdom of God that the one that Jesus is bringing at the end, at the time of his return, will be very different. And that's what he says in this verse. There will be no more death, no more bearing of children. And there will be no more marriage. In verse 30, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. In that age, there will not be marriage There will not be this problem of whose wife or husband will I be because marriage will be no more. So if you came um, to the church uh, this morning with your husband or wife, take a look at the person next to you. Do You see what this means? Marriage is for this age only, not in the new creation. That's a radical thing to say. There is a radical break from this age to the next age. Now, if some of you have said, yay, then come and talk to me because you have a problem. (laughs) But I know that most of you um, don't want this because you have a happy marriage. You want this to continue. And we'll think about this in the next point. But now, what I want to stress is that there is a different age coming, that's radically different. That age will not be the same as this age. Now, you will still be you, right? So, God says, uh, Jesus says, well, uh, uh, he's the uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham is still Abraham. Isaac's still uh, Isaac. Jacob's still Jacob. But the world will have been completely transformed. The relationships that we have in this world will have been transformed and here, here's the key thing here. The degree to which we believe in the resurrection and in the reality of that age will determine how we live now, how we live in this present. And that's really the key to Christianity, that we believe in the kingdom come, that we believe there is a new world to come that God is bringing, that there is bodily resurrection So do we believe this? Do we believe this? Do we believe that there is a world to come? Or are we like the Sadducees who think that we need to get as much as we can in this world because this is all we got? If we're assured of our resurrection, we could boldly stand with Jesus, neither fearing man nor death. If we're certain that the kingdom of God is coming to this earth, We will live differently. We won't mind seeking to be lost. We won't mind being generous. We won't mind not being recognized as successful, talented, or important because we have become servant of all. We won't mind taking the risk of loving people again and again, even if they hurt us again and again. The degree to which we believe in the reality of that age coming will determine how we live now, how courageous we are now, how bold we are now. Do we believe that there is a world to come, or is this a fairy tale to you? But let's go back to the question of marriage. Whose wife will she be of the seven? So look at the answer, and Jesus' answer in verse 29. Jesus in 29 says you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't know the scriptures, he says, because the scripture testifies that there will be resurrection. But you also are in error because you don't know the power of God because you don't have the capacity to imagine how great this world of resurrection will be, this world of 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 the new creation, the world without sin, world without birth nor death, a world that is soaked in God's glory, the world that is covered with God's glory as the waters cover the sea. You don't know the power of God. Power for God to renew all things and make all things great and make all relationships better than you can possibly imagine. Many of you um, were a bit sad as you read this, that the marriages will be ending because your marriages have been good, because your marriages have been enjoyable. Sex within marriage is good. Intimacy is good. Sharing everything is good. That level of vulnerability and acceptance is good. Ultimately, that level of deep love and bond is good. And we get nervous because if we th- we think if we take marriage away, then we'll be left with a whole bunch of platonic relationships, platonic friendships that do not share that deep bond of marriage. And if you think that, what Jesus is saying is you don't know the power of God. You don't know the power of God to renew all relationships and transform all relationships. You are in error, he says. What verse 30 is not saying is that the, the new creation will not have that deep sense of relationship that, that you're, that, that, that's found in marriage. It's true we're not going to have marriage, but that's because all our relationships will have been transformed Every relationship will go deep and intimate. Every relationship will be filled with love. And I'm going to quote uh, Pastor Tim, uh, Tim Keller because he'll say something that I can't say. He says, The love that we're going to have with the Lord and all other lovers of God around this throne is going to make the greatest married sex look like nothing by comparison. The greatest erotic sense of closure and oneness will seem like a dewdrop compared to an atomic bomb. You see what that means. Every relationship that we have in the new creation will be better than the deepest and the best of this uh, this uh, marriage in this world. Every relationship that we have in the new creation, and that is the power of God to transform this whole world. What this means is that we, each of us, will bear the image of God in the right way. We will mimic the community that's found in the Trinity, where three are one and one is three. We will all be distinct. We will have our names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Hugh, Carmen, Janekin, whatever. And we, but we will all love each other so perfectly that there will be that sense of unity in all our relationships. In short, what Jesus is saying is that that world will be the world of love, world of radical and deep love, so incredibly powerful that marriage will be subsumed into that. That's the power of God, and that's the promise of the future, and that's the community that God will create. But that's also the community that God is creating now here in this world. It shouldn't be a pie in the sky. It shouldn't be. It's not just a v- vision of the future that God has given us that has nothing to do with us. We should see this, and we do see this, glimpse of this here in the church. We saw it in the early church. After the Pentecost, in um, Acts 2.42.47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the uh, bread and prayer. All believers were together and had, had everything in common. We see a glimpse of this now when we become a family of God. I mean, look around. As different as we are, we have come together to be a family of God. When we care for each other, when we see the king, uh, kingdom kids and solid rock leaders care for uh, the children that, that, that's not their own when we see the family, church family, praying together, when we see the generosity of the church, church family pouring out in the direst of the circumstances, when we choose to love those who have hurt us in the church, even used and abused us in the church, when we see, we see this, when we keep on taking the risk of loving one another, those who have hurt us. But here's the thing. Until Jesus comes back, and Jesus makes us perfect and sanctify us and glorify us, loving each other will not be that easy. Being a church, making that vision reality in this church will not be easy. It will require from us to work to this unity. And on this side of the new creation, that's called commitment. It will require commitment to work together to achieve this unity. It will require financial commitment. It will require uh, commitment to love each other in small groups, being part of a small group, and commit to praying for each other, making time, spending the precious time that you have in Hong Kong with each other. It will require commitment not to walk away when things get tough or awkward. It will be hard work. But because we have the experience of Jesus Christ, because we know that love of God, because we're given that vision, but because also God has poured out His Holy Spirit in us, and it has begun that work in us, the church is the only place, should be the only place where this kind of love exists in this world. Let me just go back to talking about marriage just a little bit more as an illustration. You see, Just like the Sadducees, we're shocked that marriages will end because we automatically assume marriage is the place where we find the deepest of human love. But you see, that's not the New Testament's assumption. The language of love that's found in the Bible is about the love of God, but also the love that the the saints, the believers, have for each other. I recently did a uh, wedding where I preached from 1 John 4. I think it's going to come up. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his la- love is made perfect, uh, complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and made, his love is made complete in us. I mean, we love to read that in marriage because it's a celebration of love, but... 1 John 4, 1 John is not written for in, in the context of marriage. It's, in, it's written in the context of the church and the love that we should have for each other. 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about love that once again that we read so often in weddings, and now I'll show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, and it goes on. And these passages that we read are not about weddings, are not about lo- the love between husband and wife. It is about the love that we have for the, our brothers and sisters within the church. What this means is that it's not sort of we learn to love each other in marriage and we bring that love into the church. It's not like that. That's not the logic of the New Testament. Marriages are possible. Lifelong commitment and deep sense of love is possible in marriage because we learn to love like that in the church. That's the, that's the logic of the New Testament. Because God has poured out his love for us. And we learn that. And because we love each other in this way, in the church, we bring that to our marriages. That's the logic of the New Testament. That's why Jesus can envision a world without marriage. Because there is a deeper love than the love that we have Uh, that that, that, that the love that the uh, husband and wife um, have for each other. And it's found in God's love for us, and it should be found in our love for each other. But once again, that will require commitment. Commitment to the church. Commitment to the people around you. Commitment to your small groups. That will require commitment on this side of the new creation. And the thing is, I am. I mean, this is the vision for the church that I have in my mind, because this is the the vision for the church in the New Testament. I'm super excited about this vision, bringing just a little hint of that kind of otherworldly community to this church, where people are so thirsty for this sort of love, can come, and be refreshed and just drink from this deep well. But when I said this to a friend recently she said, well it's, it's not hard to imagine but it is really difficult to do and that's right. It, it is difficult to do. It is very hard to do. It's impossible to do. And this is why the church membership it's so stringent. It will require different kind of membership. Membership that's not money membership that's not this i will commit to spending time more time how does one enter into the church we enter into the church through baptism it's nothing less than death of our old self and renewal in the new self it's saying that i am going, my old self is going to be dead I'm going to be a new creation. It requires death and resurrection in order for us to be part of that community, in order to bring that community into this earth. And these are Paul's words as we think about commun- uh, 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 baptism. He says in Romans 6, 3-5, to Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can only be this kind of community if we die with Christ and we rise again with Christ. We need to be buried in our baptism. We need to say that the life that I live is not my own anymore. The rights that I had is not my rights anymore. That my old self was crucified, the body of sin has been crucified, the selfishness and lust and anger, greed, pride and sloth, all that 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 makes community difficult has been crucified with Christ. That I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We need to say that our life, my life is not my own, but it's Christ's. That's what's required to be a member of the church. Not time not money not enormous sacrifice but death and resurrection with Jesus it's saying i surrender all now i'm a new creation the old has passed and the new has begun and i'm sorry if you weren't expecting this <laughs> on sunday morning you might say i'm not ready for this i'm i'm busy i have a life to live goals to achieve I have a difficult time loving the people around me. How am I supposed to manage all these relationships? But let me finish with the good news here. Let's go back to that wedding. There will be no more marriage. Why? Well, this is a whole other sermon. I'm going to preach a a sermon on Revelation at some point in the future. But the final chapters of uh, the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, is a marriage scene. It's a wedding scene. This is how chapter 21 begins. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I saw this holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down, new community coming down, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. In this scene, the new Jerusalem is us. It's the people of God. It's the community that has been redeemed, beautifully prepared for her husband. And the husband, the bridegroom, is God. There will be no more marriage, no more spouse, no more single people, no more widowed people, no more divorced people, because at the end, at the resurrection, we will all have the spouse that we're made for. We were made for. God is our bridegroom. He is the way into that love. And we will be filled with Him. We will be loved by Him. We will be in a way that is overflowing. So loving others will just be an expression of just God's love for us that is overflowing. It won't be a chore. It will be a joy. Act of rejoicing. That's the vision that we have at the end but not just at the end, but that has begun now. We know about that love. We see that love on the cross. We see that love in our love for each other. It has begun. It's dim, as Paul says. We see it dimly as we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. We see in part, but we see it but we see it. And that's the hope that we have. That's the hope that the the world, that's the only hope that the world has to know this kind of love, to know that there is a new world that is coming. Let me end with uh, something uh, that a theologian named uh, Stanley Harwas uh, writes in a book called Resident Alien. He writes... From a Christian point of view, the world needs the church, not to help the world run more smoothly or to make the world a better or safer place for Christians to live. Rather, the the world needs the church because without the church, the world does not know who it is. The only way for the world to know that it is being redeemed is for the church to point to the Redeemer by being a redeemed people. The only way for the world to know that it is being redeemed is for the church to point to the Redeemer by being the redeemed people. The world will be redeemed. We are the redeemed people. We are the resident aliens. We are the people who are bringing the kingdom of God here to this earth, this otherworldly community that exists in Hong Kong. So on this Membership Sunday, let's remind ourselves of who we are. We are the redeemed people of God. Let's remind ourselves of our baptismal vows. And let's say that we have now died and risen again with Christ. And let's love each other. Let's start being the church, the community that we're meant to be for our sake, for the world's sake and for Christ's glory's sake. We're going to pray, but before we pray, um, may I just ask all of you to stand? And in the bulletin, in the order of, uh, of service, you will see um, that there is uh, the baptismal vow that's there, the baptismal covenant. When we as you remember what it means to be part of the church, why don't we renew our baptismal vows together? The church, do you believe in God the Father? I in God the Father. Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and the earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Virgin Mary. In the life everlasting. Amen. And will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? And will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And will you strive for justice and peace among all people, and will respect the dignity of every human being? Let us pray. Let's pray. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Loving Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that has been poured out upon us. And we thank you for your Spirit that has been sent to us, for us to have your presence with us. And we thank you for the reminder of baptism, how we have died and risen again with you. We thank you for the reminder of the gospel message that tells us we are loved beyond our imagination. We thank you for the gospel message that says that the world is being redeemed, that there is a new world that is coming. Lord, help us to lay aside our old self and take up the new self. Breathe in us your new life. Breathe in us your spirit and fill us with your spirit. Help us to be the church that you have created us to be. Help us to be the people that you have created us to be. be. That the world may know that you are God. That the world may know that there is a new king, new community, and a new world that is coming.